discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. It says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything he is, that is why he told Abraham, he said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boatim as Christ is magnified in you. chapter 11 the bible compares egypt and israel god told his people the promised land moses was telling them the land you are going you know what the land does the land of egypt had the river nile and they actually watered their plants by irrigation in fact the egyptians invented a certain foot machine to draw water from the nile and to pump from the nile and through the system of irrigation they watered their plants but Moses told them that the land you are going is not like the land of Egypt. Because the land of Egypt, there is no rain in Egypt. Egypt doesn't experience rain, actually. What they have is Nile. But he told them that the land you are going is a land of hills and valleys. And the land drinks the water of the rain that is from heaven. So God is saying that there's something different from Egypt and the promised land where you are going. In Egypt, there is river Nile. Where you can draw every day, every hour, every minute, every second. But in the promised land, there is no river. So you depend on me for rain. Now, which is better? The river Nile represents natural resources. The river Nile is always there 24-7. So if you need to water your crops, you just go and fetch it. Or pump water out of it for the watering. But with the promised land, there is no river. So for you to get supplier to look up, I know what, which one you will choose. Which one will you choose? <laughs> so you see, can you imagine God wants us to totally depend on him for everything? Not the Egypt where you can always see. You're always seeing your bank account because it's always full. Natural resources. But come to a place where you look up for your supply. God is well pleased in this way. When you look up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So that's the faith of Barak. Accomplish great things, but still looking to man. One eye looking to man. Never do that. How about Gideon? <laughs> now Gideon... In Judges chapter 6, when the Lord visited him, the Lord said, Thou mighty man of Vila. That's how the Lord called him. Then he began to make excuses. He said, Ah, my Lord, I'm the poorest in my family. And Manasseh, the tribe of Manasseh at that time, is the least of all the tribes. Why do you introduce me this way? So he began to enumerate his weakness. But the Lord introduced him as a mighty man. Yet he had never seen himself as a mighty man. And he began to enumerate his, enumerate his weakness. Yet God called him mighty. In fact, God saw his weakness and called him mighty. That's how God uses us. We are stronger in our weakness than in our strength. Did you get that? You are stronger in your weakness than in your strength. Didn't, didn't Apostle Paul say that his strength is made perfect in my weakness? The Lord told him, my grace is sufficient for you and my strength is made perfect. Jesus didn't say, my strength is made perfect in your strength. Did he say that? He said, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. In your weakness. You know what it means? God qualifies the unqualified. The area where you are the weakest, chances are, are that 
those are the very areas God is going to use you the most. That's what God does. <laughs> That's what God does. I'm telling you. Is it Pastor T? You think Pastor T leading all of you is by his might? I remember when Pastor T came to see me the first day that he wanted to start a ministry. That guy, I'm saying guy for a reason, <laughs> was so discouraged in his demeanor. Your pastor. And he, so he came to me with his hands at his back. He didn't even know whether God had called. He was contemplating, um, I think. And when he was speaking, he would speak this way, positive, and he would speak negative. And as he was speaking, he was even wondering whether he's called. And if you see his face, now, if I was in the flesh, I would have, I would have said, young man, young man, go and get some business and do. <laughs> that was his. And God, we usually laugh with it. And I captured that facial look, and it has never left me. <laughs> I was telling myself, ah, this guy, pa. <laughs> so you know what God does? Whatever God wants to do, He looks around and takes and look. He looks around and sees the least qualified amongst us, and takes you to do what He wants to do by His grace. Listen, when I was in secondary school. And after that, you see, I couldn't speak English language. I couldn't speak. I couldn't speak English. <laughs> so I was. <laughs> Listen, I was a very bad student. Very bad. Very bad. I'm not academically bright. You see what God's grace can do. When I went to, I went, I went to infantry school. Listen, 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 listen. Not because, not because I was bright. Because my grade was so bad. Now my grade was so bad that when I went, I went on protocol list. You know protocol list. Even with the protocol list, the course I could get was visual art. <laughs> now you know that of all the courses, the best students as they take the best grade for science, then they come to general, then uh, the least is visual art. In fact, every school you go, the most unserious student, unserious students are visual art. How many of you can bear witness? <laughs> But obviously, there were some wonderful visual students within the class. There were some of us who came because they pushed us there because our grades were not good. But there were those who qualified for the course. You understand? So that's where I found myself. Can you imagine? And they used to say, that quiet guy. I wasn't quiet to. The problem was how to... Now, aside from that, I was so shy that I didn't have the strength to stand one-to-one -one with a lady. <laughs> so, in my life, all those who knew me then, all those who, who knew me then, when they meet me, they remind me how I used to walk. I used to walk this way. Hallelujah. In fact, when I was in the tertiary, the class was divided. Half were, some were saying I'm a stammerer. Others were saying I'm not a stammerer. Can you imagine? I was even shocked. And those days, when we go and see our grade, I don't see from the start, I see from behind. But we're three guys who are competing from behind. Hallelujah. 
So I'm amazed I'm standing before you preaching the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> Hallelujah. So obviously, God qualifies the unqualified. It's amazing. Hallelujah. <laughs> and I know we all have our stories. We all have our stories. And God uses the weak. Let me tell you something. In Matthew chapter 1, we have the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the genealogy of generations. We see Jesus' human lineage in Matthew chapter 1. Five women are mentioned. Let me exclude Mary and say four women. But the women who are mentioned, all of them have morally questionable backgrounds. Now, Jesus chose his generations, human generations, ahead of time. Then he chose Tema, is the first woman to be mentioned. Tema, you know what she did? She committed what is called incest, slept with his father in law to produce Pharez and Zara. And Jesus, he's chosen in the lineage of Christ. And I thought Miriam would have been mentioned at that time, but Miriam wasn't mentioned. But Tamar was mentioned. The next was Rahab. In fact, the Bible called her Rahab the Harlot. The Bible even mentioned Harlot to magnify God's grace. <laughs> Harlot. But Sarah is not mentioned. The matriarch of grace, Sarah, is not mentioned. But Harlot, Rahab, is mentioned. Her home was a brothel, actually. So when the two the spies went there, they thought that, oh, obviously, they had gone to, you know, it, it's her business. Then we have Ruth, who was a Moabitess, who was disqualified to enter into the congregation of the Lord. She was a Gentile. She was disqualified. But where was Rebecca? The great matriarch, the wife of Isaac, the patriarch. She's not mentioned. Look at those God, God chose. The next, we have Bathsheba. In fact, the Bible, the, the Bible said the wife of Urias, Bathsheba. <laughs> Bathsheba. <laughs> So, someone who, we see, we see adultery, when we hear of Bathsheba, her name is mentioned. Where was Rahel and where was Leah? Their names, these noble women, their names were not mentioned. But people who had morally questionable backgrounds, they were chosen by God in predestination to produce the lineage of Christ. Now I'm telling you that when God is chosen you, it doesn't matter the worst or how dirty you have been in the, in the past. God doesn't look at your past, how worse you have been or the number of men who have slept with you or the wickedness you've engaged yourself in. God doesn't look at all these things. God wipes your past with his precious blood and you are in God, God's books and out of your disqualification God magnifies his, his grace and sets his qualification, his seal of approval and approbation on you. Hallelujah. Because we are not sufficient in ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God, who has made us able ministers of the New Testament. He has done all these things that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. So, listen, the very place you have been the weakest, get ready. Those of you who are shy, you are the greatest preachers of all time. Those of you who can't even speak well, you are the greatest preachers of all time. God is going to use you in an amazing way to magnify his grace. It's manifesting. It's coming to pass. Hallelujah. 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 
<laughs> Praise God. <laughs> when you preach in love economy, don't want to stop. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Gideon. Now, Gideon. So, this is, was his background. Now, do you remember? When the Lord appeared to him, he had questions. He asked the Lord questions. He even put up a fleece. You know a fleece? That is wool. Wool from the sheep. Now he gave up a fleece. He said, Lord, if it is you, then I'm putting this fleece on a rock. In the night, let it dew. Let the dew fall on the fleece only, but let the ground be dry. He charged the Lord. Then it happened. Then he took the, the fleece and squeezed the water out of it. He got a bucket full. Then the next day he said, all right, Lord, this time around, don't let the dew fall on the fleece, but on the ground. And let the fleece be dry. Then the Lord did it. So he asked questions. God didn't call it doubt. What even was demonstrated is... The gospel story in illustration. Because you see that everything about the Old Testament is about Jesus. Jesus is that wool, he's that fleece. Remember that he came as the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world? You remember that he was led as a sheep to his sharers. The wool or the fleece is Jesus himself. Now, in the Bible, dew stands for God's favor or God's grace. Proverbs 19, verse 12. The deal of the king is as the favor upon the grass. Or favor is as the deal upon the grass. So in the Bible, deal is favor or grace. So what happened was that when Jesus came upon the earth, there was no grace or favor anywhere. He was the only person carrying the fullness of grace. So he was the one filled with deal, filled with grace, filled with favor. Hallelujah. But the earth was dry. The earth was full of sin and death. But when he came, he ascended the cross and took your place and my place. And this time around, he was rejected and he came into disfavor for a while because God turned his back to him so that the favor on him would not come upon us. So this time around, the dew didn't come upon the fleece, but it came on the ground because through his death, favor came upon the earth. Wow. Hallelujah. So what happened was a story of the gospel. Wow. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> now when Gideon was going for the war, look at how many people did he take for the battle? First was, is it 32,000? And he was going to fight against how many people? Is it 135,000? Something like that. And in the battle, and as he was going, you know the story, everyone who is afraid was charged to go back home. And 22,000 went back. It was left with 10,000. <laughs> and it will reduce further to 300. You know why? Yeah, so that the glory will be unto God and not to man. 300, fighting against more than 100,000 people. And when they were going for battle, you know what they took? They took a picture, an ethan a clay vessel, earthen vessel with light inside in a lamp. So they, they took a vessel of clay, the Bible calls it pitcher, an empty pitcher, and they put light inside. And they took trumpet. So you have an earthen way, earthen pitcher, a clay vessel with light inside and a, and a trumpet. Do you go for one with that? <laughs> so the 300 carried this. And they faced 130,000 people for battle, and when they were about to fight, you know what they said? The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. Meanwhile, no one was holding a sword. The sword of the Lord and Gideon. No one was holding a sword, and they took the trumpet and they crushed the golden pitcher. And they, they crushed it. And when they crushed it, the light exuded forth, and the people began killing themselves. You know what it means? It reflects, it reflects a kind of truth Paul spoke of in the New Testament. There is this treasure in earthen vessels. 
that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Brethren, we are just earthen vessels. We are just clay vessels. But the treasure of light of God's glory is within us. Whatever God does out of us and through us is not us. Because we are just frail, we are just fragile, we are just feeble. Whatever God throws through us, the excellency of the glory is for God. That is why when you see a man like Pastor Oti, you can, you can say, how can, he's not smart enough to do all these things. He's just an earthen vessel. But the excellency of the power is of God. That is why God is going to use you so madly in this life that your mother will say, my daughter, I know you are not smart this way. What is happening in your life must be God. My son, I know you are not smart this way. What is happening in your life, in your ministry, in your marriage, it must be God. Brethren, in ourselves, we are nothing. But in him, we are complete in him, which is the head of all the principality and power. Glory to God. The treasure is in us. The treasure is in us. When we are broken, the glory is manifested. When we are crushed, the glory is manifested. There is this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. We are cast down and not destroyed, always bearing about in our bodies the dying of the Lord Jesus that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal bodies. So then, death worketh in us and life in you. Listen, we are failed vessels, but the treasure is in us. This treasure will prevail. This treasure will conquer. The excellent spirit is in us. The excellent power is in us. The excellent beauty is in us. The radiation of his glory is in us. And you are happening. One of these days, this glory, this effulgence, this brightness, this splendor, this magnificence is showing forth to the world. It's showing forth to the world. Your glory is showing forth to the world. Arise, shine, for the light is come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. Out of our weakness, strength is emerging. Out of our weakness, strength is emerging. Out of our weakness, strength is emerging. Strength is emerging. Out of our nothingness, something is coming. Yamanda Sita. Yamanda Sita. Who is sufficient unto these things? Yamanda Sita. Yamanda Sita. Yamanda Sita. Yamanda Sita. We then, as workers together with him, beseech you that ye receive not the grace of God in vain. For he has said, I have heard thee in a time accepted. In the day of salvation, I have succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time, and now is the day of salvation. We are stronger in our weakness than in our strength. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Can you please be seated? So when, let's say, pastor has sent you to go and establish a, a brand church, you go like, how can I? Anything God wants you to do now, anything that is called God's calling is actually bigger than you. Now, whatever God wants you to do, in yourself, you cannot do it. If you can do it in adult, if it's God's calling, you can't do it, so you can lean on Him. God likes these things. So, that's why what God will do with you, it will, it will blow your mind. Because it's something you cannot do. Some of you will be used in areas you have no expertise at all. Now, some of you are going to go into huge banking, but you have no idea about banking. 
There are shiftings in the realm of the spirit for the last day move of God, and it has nothing to do with your university qualification. God is going to do it. Mara Makataye. All right, Samson and Jephthah. Samson and Jephthah. Samson. Now, now, so you've seen that the difference between Gideon and Barak is because Gideon leaned on the Lord in his weakness. God perfected him. Barak was a man of faith, but he set his eyes on man. So in, though he had faith, it wasn't excellent. So the first lesson is that in, to have excellent faith, we look solely to God for whatever he will give us and not man. Then we have Samson and Jephthah was a judge before Samson. But in the dignity of faith, God set Samson before Jephthah. Now all these two guys, their backgrounds were very difficult. They all suffered rejection from their backgrounds. Now Jephthah remembered that his mom was a harlot. And because he gave that to Jephthah, he was dismissed from the community. They excommunicated him because of who his mom is. Can you imagine? Was he to be blamed for it? No. He wasn't to be blamed for it. What about Samson? Now, Samson had difficulty in his background. Now, what Samson suffered when he was growing up was rejection. Rejection. Now, when Samson was young, now in those days, all the boys, in those days, all the boys, they had their hair down, down cut. Only women had their hair very long. Samson had his hair very long because of the Nazarite vow. So as a young boy, his friends ridiculed him. <laughs> look at him. Because, look at him, he looks like a woman. For information, Samson was not well built. Samson wasn't someone who, who was like a commando. No, 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 no. No, he was ordinary. He wasn't strong until the Spirit of God came upon him. All that he did was, the, the Spirit of God came upon him. It wasn't, he wasn't physically fit. No. It was the anointing of the Spirit that empowered him to, to do that. If it was this, then God's glory cannot be magnified. <laughs> but his hair was so long and you know, and he was a Nazarite. And you see children, the most joyous occasion in Israel for kids is during the grape harvest. Every child is happy, jumping, stepping on the grapes. Children are very happy during the grape harvest. So all kids look to the grape harvest. But Samson couldn't go. Because of the Nazareth vow, he couldn't touch grape. So whilst all the children are happy enjoying themselves, he's standing somewhere aloof. His countenance is even different. Now this guy, is he a woman or what? <laughs> because you see, when Samson grew up, his problem was lust. And I've, all problems with, of lust and sexual immorality is rooted in rejection. Rejection. If you meet someone who is struggling with pornography, struggling with sexual addictions, and you go like, you have to stop. You are worrying yourself. If he could stop, he would have stopped a long time. <laughs> you can say you have to pray more. He could pray, but nothing is happening. Of course, prayer is powerful. But the person must be introduced to God's love. And must have acceptance. Know how much is love, how much is accepted. When the person is rooted in this kind of truth and knowledge, and he comes to accept himself, He'll be forever free from sexual immorality. Now, if you can give the person different measures to stop, but you're only cutting the fruit, in a matter of time, it will grow again. But to lay the axe at the root of the tree, his rejection must be healed by knowing how much he's loved of God, because it must be based in the scriptures. And when that is done, so most sexual... now. Everyone who has that problem, when I meet the person, I just, I just describe their backgrounds. I, they, they think I'm a prophet. I said, no, I'm not a prophet. But actually, this is scripture tells us. And it's always correct. So all of them had some... I don't know why God juxtaposed these people. <laughs> you know, Barak and Gideon, one place. <laughs> Samson and Jephthah in another place. But yet, Samson's faith was higher than Jephthah. You know Why? This way, Samson was again defeated the Philistines. Great exploit. Jephthah was also used to defeat the children of Ammon in his time because they came against Israel. 
they did exploit. But why did God place something higher than Jephthah? You want to know it? Yeah. One thing. Now, Jephthah was uh, when the men of Gibeon went to fetch Jephthah and he accepted the offer to fight against their enemies and to be their leader. God himself was going to deliver Israel from the Ammonite. And the Bible said the Spirit of God came upon him. Why? Because the anointing of God was strong upon him to deliver God's people from the oppressive rule. So God himself was going ahead of him by the anointing to deliver the people. Yet when the anointing came over him, he opened his mouth to make a vow. It was totally unnecessary. To make a vow that, Lord, if you deliver them into my hands, then when I come back home, whatever comes out of my house first, I'll give it as a burnt sacrifice for you. It was unnecessary. Now, it's like saying that, it's like my daughter is here and I, I, my daughter comes to me and tells me that, Daddy, please, if you, if you pay my school fees for me, I'm going to wash your car for three months. That's my vow. Can you imagine? It's my responsibility to pay. It's my responsibility. I'm going to pay. It's my plan. The resources are mine to pay. But she comes and says, if you do it, this is what I will do. God himself, it was God's responsibility because he has said he is going to deliver the people. So why will you come and intercept what God has said with a vow? Two reasons. Number one, because of the weakness of faith. Number two, because he, was, he wasn't near to God. Those who are not close to God, who do not know the heart of God, they, you see, they trade with God by means of butter system. Because they don't know his heart. So to them, if you do this, then I'll do this. If you do this, such vows are all under the law. So, hallelujah. So what happened was that he went and obviously... He defeated the Ammonite and came back home. He was expecting that a dog, a sheep, a cow would come out of his house. And he was shocked. His own only daughter, only child came out of the house. So she had to give her. As a burnt offering. Now, the burnt offering that doesn't mean that she was put on the altar and she was burnt. That's not the meaning. You read the chapter, the Bible says, Then she went and bewailed her virginity. So the vow means that she wasn't going to marry all her life. Is there? The Bible says she bewailed her virginity. Yeah. So, praise God. So all her life she was given to the Lord and never married. So the problem with Jephthah is this. She opened his mouth and made a vow because he really didn't know the, the father's heart. The more nearer and closer you are to God, the more you know his heart. Now understand that positionally in Christ, we are so near to God. Now positionally in Christ, you are so nearer, you are so near, you cannot be nearer. And you are so dear, you cannot be dearer. In Christ... <laughs> God is so close to you that your cloth is not as close as God. In fact, your breath is not as close as God. And much more, your soul is not as close as God. Why? Because he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. You are one with him. <laughs> and you are sat with him. Positionally, you can't be nearer. But in experience, there are degrees of nearness to God. In experience, some are nearer to God than others. There are degrees of nearness to God in experience. And we must take advantage and become closer. When Christ was on earth, there was a 70. A lot of them were professing disciples. They just professed. Then there was a 12. 
Then there was a three, Peter, James, and John, Jesus' inner cycle. They were more closer. When the Lord went to the Mount of Transfiguration, he went with these three. When he went to Gethsemane, he went with these three. When he went to the house of Jairus to raise her daughter, he went with these three. And out of the three, there was one, John, the beloved apostle. Hallelujah. He was so close to the Lord that he leaned on his bosom. He would rest on Jesus' heart. He knew his heartbeat. He was so full of love that on the day of crucifixion, when all the twelve ran away out of fear, he was the only one at the foot of the cross because perfect love casted out fear. He wasn't afraid of what everyone would do because he was the closest. Praise God. And I charge you to be very close in experience to him. Very close. It's a solution to everything. Everything. You wouldn't have to make a vow. Lord, if you do this for me, I'll do this. Because you know his heart that he has already done it. And he's ever willing to do it. Hallelujah. How many of you are going to be very close to God? Praise the Lord. But with Samson, look, the guy was so strong. The Spirit of God came up upon him in Judges 15, and the Bible says he found a new jawbone of an ass, and he slew thousand Philistines. His faith transcended the law. All vows are under the law. That's what Jephthah did. His faith transcended Faith transcends space and time. Now, according to the Nazareth vow, you are not supposed to touch anything that is dead. Dead carcass, anything that is dead, dead bone, you can't touch it. You are defiled. That's a Nazareth vow. Yet the Spirit of God came upon him and he took the jawbone of an ass. Which, under the law, is a contradiction. Yet the Spirit of God came mightily upon him. He took it and God used him to slay thousand Philistines. Like David, it was not right for him to eat the showbread, but he stepped ahead of the law. <laughs> you see, he stepped, he went beyond the realm of the law, stepped under grace ahead of time to enjoy the privileges of grace. Like a Syrophoenician woman, Jesus came exclusive, he came to the Jews. And she was a Gentile. She said, Lord, have mercy on me. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. Jesus didn't mind her. She continued following. Jesus said, it is not meet to take the bread of the children to cast it to dogs. Because the Gentiles were called dogs. <laughs> so Jesus didn't come to the Gentiles. It was the next generation. Yet she followed and received something that was prior to her dispensation. <laughs> and that's what Samson did. Hallelujah. So she preceded, she went, he went beyond the law and exercised the realm of faith, exercised faith. So God saw that and put his faith higher than Gideon. Hallelujah. Praise God. And in all, he was giving him glory. Something gave God the glory. The glory. So what will give you excellent faith is actually in little things. Little things. Little things. Something gave God the glory. That's the things from Jephthah. Give God a glory for everything. Hallelujah. We have David and Samson. It's amazing. You read the life of Samson, you can't see any mistake in his life. You can't see any mistake. Samson was a very solid guy, very noble guy. Sorry, Samuel. Thank you. Samuel anointed David. And the guy was powerful because Samuel, now Samuel was a judge he was a prophet and he was a priest. He had all three offices. Huh. He ended the judges. He ushered him in the kingship. Yet he was a prophet. Now look at Psalm 99, verse 6. Now look at what God says about Samuel. Moses and Aaron... <laughs> Moses and Aaron among his priests. You see, Moses is called a priest here. Can you imagine? You know he's a prophet, but he's called a priest here. <laughs> he actually ordained the priest and ushered him and trained the priest. Moses and Aaron among his priests. 
and look at. And Samuel, among they, among them that call upon his name. So Samuel, actually, historically and remarkably, was one of those guys who prayed and God answered his prayer. And Samuel among them that call upon his name. Now look at 1 Samuel 12 verse 17 and see what Samuel did so you can understand this verse. 1 Samuel 12 verse 19, see what Samuel did. 1 Samuel 12 17. Now Samuel had guided all Israel and he was addressing them. This is what he said. Is it not wheat harvest today? I will call unto the Lord and he shall send tender and rain and ye may perceive and see what your wickedness that your wickedness is great, which ye have done in the sight of the Lord in asking you a king. The next verse. So Samuel called unto the Lord, and the Lord sent tender and rain that day. Amazing. So Moses and Aaron among his priests, and Samuel, <laughs> he's distinguished for those who call upon him the name of God because, I mean, he had prayer and answered prayer. So he prayed, and the Lord gave rain. He said, I'm going to pray, and rain is going to come down. The, Amazing. The guy had strong faith and the rain came down. So we see this expert of faith with Samuel. How about David? Oh, he was a man of faith. I remember when he met Goliath. I said, small boy, just 17-year-old boy. David. Now he knew the Lord. And he stood before Goliath. They first began to exchange words. And Goliath began to blaspheme the God of Israel. When he began doing that, you know what David did? David took, a, took stones. David is a man of God. You know, why? you know why he took stones? Because in Israel, if you blaspheme the name of God, the capital punishment is by stoning. <laughs> It's my stoning. That's what. So he was just going by the scriptures. <laughs> so this guy has blasphemed. <laughs> ah. <laughs> he took a stone. Then he took five. He, why did he take five? Because Goliath had four other brothers. So one for each. So it wasn't going to be try and error. If the first one has, the first one doesn't. Like, no, 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 no. It wasn't like that. There were five giants, one for each. But the four ran away. Later on, the Bible in Chronicles, his men dealt with the four. The Bible didn't mention their name. Ishbinob and all of them. So, he took the stone. Now, he was holding the stone. He said, today, I will cut off your head and give it to the powers of the heaven to eat. How can you say that? Meanwhile, you don't have a sword. You don't have a sword in your hand. But he said today, I'll cut off your head. That's faith. Meanwhile, you don't have a sword. <laughs> so he spoke the word. We also have in the same spirit of faith. According as it is written, I believe, therefore, have I spoken. We also believe, therefore, we speak. So he said today, this one. So keep speaking the word. Without the means to make it happen, he spoke it. And look, to, to prove that a guy had faith, the Bible tells us that Goliath was walking to meet David. The Bible tells, tells us that David was running. He hasted to meet Goliath. That's what the Bible said. So he was running to meet him. The guy was full of conviction. There was no room for trial or error or anything. He just knew. He knew his business. He knew God was with him. In fact, he called him you uncircumcised Philistine. You know why he used the word uncircumcised? Because circumcision was a seal of the Abrahamic covenant. To say you are uncircumcised means that you don't have God. You are, you are on your own. <laughs> you are outside the frame of the covenant. You see, you are outside the covenant of promise. So you don't have God, you are on your own. So it's ah, this uncircumcised Philistine. So, ah, he measured himself by the almightiness of God, not by his teacher. And went straight and used a sling. And he shot the first bullet, the first stone. Now the guy was armed. The guy was armed. He had his helmet, his shield, and everything. But the stone went here. Amazing. And when the stone hit him, with the force of the stone, he should have hit, gone, gone down here. The force. But he fell this way. 
Can you imagine? The phone, the, the stone hit him and he fell this way. Upon his face to the earth. But the force should have what? That means angels were doing the work and then he just hit his head. <laughs> <laughs> and then he said, just said, you foolish man. <laughs> Hallelujah. So obviously, they had all great exploits of faith. But how come David is set above Samuel, the noble, holy prophet? Before he died, he said, I have collected no man's silver or gold. No, he was so decent. His integrity was perfect. But there is only one thing he did wrong. There is only one thing Samuel did wrong. How many of you want to know? He set his own sons to be judges of Israel, and God never told him to do that. And that was the only thing that was against him. David loved his children very much, yet he never set them as leaders over the nation. He could easily have, but he never did that. But Samuel took his own children, who were actually corrupt. It's amazing how you can have a powerful father but the children, their minds were not renewed. And they became trouble to Israel. And he set them. But God never told him. But with David, David never took an action until he hears the Lord. David never took a decision until he hears the Lord. You can make a mistake, but the level of the mistake counts very much. Every time David was going for battle, the Bible says, and he inquired of the Lord, should I go? And the Lord would say, pursue Overtake and recover all. Every time he heard from the Lord. So even appointment of leadership must be from the Lord. You appoint wrong people, your faith is not excellent. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So it's in little, little things. Amazing. I really thought that David would come less than Samuel because... Because of Bathsheba and because of all those people. Plenty of problems. But it is of faith that it might be by grace. He even numbered Israel. <laughs> all of these. <laughs> Hallelujah. Brethren, may you stand perfect and complete in all of God's will. Then at last he said, and of the prophet also. God put ordinary people before the prophet. Apart from David, who was a king, and Samuel, and of the prophet also, to tell us that ordinary people can have excellent faith. Can have excellent faith. Hallelujah. So your faith can emerge glorious. You are here, and I'm telling you, in the sight of God, you are greater than Elijah. Yeah, greater than Elijah the Tishbite. Yeah. Greatness is not, it's not measured by how, well, how known you are. That, that, those things don't matter in God's kingdom. It's not a matter of popularity or who is on a billboard or who is on television or who is not. No, that is purely earthly. No, no, no. God, God doesn't. <laughs> God's estimation is entirely different. Actually, that which is highly esteemed in the sight of men is, a, is an abomination before God. So may your, may your faith be. Now, God wants you to depend on Him totally. Absolutely, solidly, in everything. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. How many of you are going to have excellent faith? You will stand by God's word until everything is delivered. Faith is to stand by what God has said until you see the manifestation. Because God is, the Bible said, He's faithful that promised. He doesn't lie. He doesn't lie. Your days on earth are going to be reckoned before God. But my desire for everyone of one of you is that in God's books, your faith will be reckoned as excellent and high because you learned to depend on God. Listen. Years ago, Years ago, 
I didn't have money at all. For a long time, I was wondering who I could call to help me with money. I considered all the names I knew. I didn't know who to call. And I was wondering who can be, who can help me in this life. I'll look to the south, to the west, to the north, to the east. Look everywhere. Just frustrated, troubled, and I got. God sent me a book called. The title of the book is the biography of George Mola. So I got hold of the, of the book and began to read. How George Muller's life, he depended entirely on God and never asked any single human being for anything. And God supplied him every, every time he had divine resources. Whilst I was reading the book, I was wondering how possible this is. Where God can, you can depend wholly on God in your life for whatever you need. Whilst I was wondering and reading, listen, my eyes were opened and a light fell into, into the book. A light fell into the pages of the book. And I saw a handwriting in cursive writing in the book. And the handwriting was, It is a pleasant place to ever abide. It is a pleasant place to ever abide. You know what God is saying? To depend on Him is a pleasant place you can ever abide. It's a realm. People think it doesn't exist. But you can step into that realm. It doesn't matter how much you are feeling or how you are feeling. I feel too many times before I got into that realm. But it's a pleasant realm to hold. Excellency of faith is working with God step by step every time. Now lift up your voice and say, Father, I, I enter into that realm in the name of Jesus. Lift up your voice and pray. God bless you for listening. We pray that the word of God will be rooted and grounded in your heart as you give attention to the word. Kindly follow Pastor T and Love Economy Church on all social networks for more of God's Word. Don't forget to subscribe to the Pastor T Podcast. Simply search for Pastor T on any podcast app, plug in, and enjoy God's Word. Visit our website at loveeconomychurch.org for more information. God bless.